What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, guys. We have been doing Night Call now for over a year. Time flies. Apparently, this is our 64th episode. (laughs) Rachel informed me when we got in here. Um, and it's been great, and we really appreciate everybody listening to the pod and being a part of our Night Weirdos community. But we are ready to take the Night Call experience to the next level. Airborne, airborne. <laughs> so we've decided to launch a Patreon to give you guys access—yay—to ac- <laughs> give you guys access to special rewards and special events and bonus episodes and stuff. Our uh, website is patreon.com forward slash night call and you'll be able to find updates uh, tier rewards all sorts of information things like merch and book club and special invitations to in-person meetups that you can't get anywhere else but on our patreon secret society meetups we're starting a cult basically is what's happening <laughs> But you can support us with as little as a dollar a month or more if you're feeling crazy. And we're really looking forward to furthering our night call mission through Patreon and bringing you all sorts of new cool stuff. So please join us on the astral plane at patreon.com forward slash night call. It's 1.22 a.m. in Rhyme City, and you're listening to Night Call. Night Call. 
welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. My name is Emily Yoshida. I am here, not in Rhyme City, but in New York City. And with me on the other end of the line in Los Angeles, I have... Molly Lambert. And Tess Lynch, as well as our special guest this week, Dan Hernandez. Hello, hello. Hello. I'm a super fan of the show, so I'm glad that I, I made it here. This Dan is a-, is a friend of Night Call, and he co-wrote the movie Detective Pikachu <laughs> with his writing partner, Benji Samet, coming out everywhere in May. May 10th. We are very excited about this movie, so we are very excited yes. to have Dan as a guest. I am so excited for, mostly for the reason that Ken Watanabe's name, uh, his character's name in it is Detective Yoshida. And it's very, Ooh. very seldom that there's a Yoshida in in fiction. Like, they, they almost never pop up just because, like, one, Japanese names don't pop up as often, and two, for whatever reason, that one doesn't. So I was very excited, and I think my handle on Twitter was Detec- Detective Yoshida for a while out of a <laughs> celebration. It was, and, and I appreciated that. Um, no one was more pumped than than I was when Ken Watanabe signed on to the movie because oh, the last so awesome. the last samurai was like yeah my college go-to movie with my friend group from college <laughs> and so whenever anything good happens we just say they they were all they're all perfect you remember when he when he when he finishes his poem yeah, he, yeah. When he attains Satori on the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Speaking of battlefields. Oh, look at that. Holy We're going to talk about a show called Game of Thrones. And while mm. while we wait for our producers to leave their respective booths because neither of Get them have here. watched the episode The Long Night. I think Roy said he can handle Game of Thrones. He just doesn't want Avengers spoilers, which, spoiler, there will be no spoilers. Okay. Okay. A movie none of us have seen. Mm -hmm. But there will be spoilers for Game of Thrones. If you don't want them, leave now. But I should say... These are are spoilers for the episode The Long Night, not whatever episode aired last night, which, when you're hearing this, uh, we are still living a a week in the past. So... um, but it was a big episode. It was a big battle episode. So that's why everybody's spoilerphobic. Everyone should have been absorbed into the monoculture by a week <laughs> right? later, right? There's like, no yeah. excuse. I like, refuse really no to be excuse. absorbed. I refuse. So this is a long-standing thing with Molly back from Girls in Hoodies yep. is that Molly refuses to be wooed by Game of Thrones. I do not like the show. Be honest, how many episodes of the show have you watched, Molly? At least five, and I've seen the <laughs> pilot more than one time. I think it is boring. And, well, you know, I thought I didn't like medieval things, but now I've gone to the Ren Fair like three years in a row mm-hmm. with Jane Marie, a uh, friend of the pod. And it turns out I do like medieval things. I just don't really like Game of Thrones. How but do you feel about Lord of the Rings? Also don't like it. I feel like there's too much CGI and like New Zealand is already very beautiful. And the obsession with like, let's make the sunset perfect every time is insane. Uh, well, uh, not to uh, mansplain to you, but uh, uh, the CGI is actually quite minimal in The Lord of the Rings. They use a lot of bigotures and um, practical effects in it. But Well, yeah. uh, yeah. Starly Kine, another friend of Nightcall, claimed <laughs> to me that uh, Game of Thrones was not really a fantasy show. It just has dragons, and the dragons are awesome. I mean, but it doesn't that's just a have dragons. Argument. Melisandre. Yeah, there's the Melisandre. There's the Lord of Light. There's <laughs> yeah. all of her magic. There's um, the White Walkers, obviously. That's what we call low magic. 
Yeah, it's magic selective. is exceptional when it happens. Yeah, yeah. I think brands. So some people deal. have magic. Yes, some people some have. Some people magic. have magic, but when it happens, it's 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 near miraculous. And by the way, Emily's mansplaining voice was sort of just my internal monologue, <laughs> so I feel a little well, Dan, <laughs> uncomfortable. We have an authority, Dan, who's read all the books. Oh um, damn! I've only seen. I've really only read one of them. I read the first one, and I was like, "Okay, I got it. I enjoy watching it as a show more." But I might go back and read them someday. I don't know. I tend to do the deep dive on anything that I get excited about, so I absorb them immediately. And you know, it's a sad thing that the last book came out the year that I moved to Los Angeles, which I think was 2011. Uh, so I've been waiting anxiously for the you know for the last book but i've spent my time on the wiki of ice and fire oh i feel like i feel like i'm ready i'm prepared but i will say when i got to the show today uh there was already tension in the air surrounding game of thrones and i were already fighting about game of thrones when dan approached us to say hey i'm here to do the podcast what was the fight just that tess Uh, well by the way i love that tess you were on the anti-side back in girls and hoodies days and since then you have crossed over she's crossed over but She's gonna fight with you now about, about Daenerys. Daenerys. <laughs> Look, I, I don't, oh I don't hate God. Daenerys at all. I did say that, in my opinion, Daenerys is the least interesting kind of main character. I had to catch up on this show, and it wasn't fun catching up on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's I, not it was like, fun to watch. Yeah. We, well, we were talking about mukbangs a minute ago. Like it was like I was like, gotta get through she, and like she try to remember who these people are. In, ep- in season one, she does. She mukbangs that horse heart. Remember? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. There. Yeah. <laughs> ASMR mukbang horse heart. <laughs> Dothraki village. I mean, it's touched on everything, so it's any kind of reference that you make to anything. There is probably a Game of Thrones yeah. example. I I warm to it. I don't find that you'd have to be Team Daenerys or Team Sansa, personally. But no. we were, I was saying only one person can win. Sure, well, you, but you see that it's not necessarily You do have to be true. Team Daenerys or Team Sansa because they can't both... Well, they're no. They both don't want the same thing, though. It's just exactly. But one of them's going to have to die. It's a battle royale. It's not necessarily no. In in last night's episode, which is now you know many episodes in the past because of the wonders of time traveling podcasting, we'll get to the timeline theories at the end. Yes, (laughs) but I mean, Sansa was legitimately hiding in the crypt while Daenerys was fighting on the dragon. I gotta say, Daenerys dropped the ball a couple times. She was fighting on the dragon. Yeah, she was. (laughs) Fighting on the dragon. A lot, a lot has happened win. since the first five <laughs> right? episodes of season one. Molly. Wait, wait, wait. She was fi- like, you mean she was riding she was a dragon? Riding to a fight dragon. Some- she oh, I was, thought you meant commi- she was like punching a dragon. No. Although there was some dragon on dragon battle as yeah. well. Um, it could have been better. Was- that was the part of the episode that I liked because it looked the most like a heavy metal album cover. And I was like, totally. this, this is my shit. I love it. The uh, blue flames coming yeah. out of the white dragon. I think all the dragons look cheap. They look like Xena. It's the dragons that you, you look cheap. It. It, you looks didn't like even a, get... it looks like Dungeons and Dragons, like the cover of like the manuals for Dungeons and Dragons. I love it. Like, well, guess it is what? what it is. Dan is wearing a Dungeons and Dragons yeah. shirt right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. It's an it's... and made out of like Dungeons and Dragons iconography, yeah. I think. This is my formal Dungeons and Dragons shirt <laughs> for business opportunities. <laughs> and, and, it's any more sort subtle. of uh, yeah. more, a more subtle D&D. Yeah. 8, 5, This week's episode of Night Call is brought to you by Cheers Health. This is Emily from Night Call, and if you're like me, 
you love to unwind with a nice glass of vino after a long day at work or whatever your drink of preference is. Mine is the wine. I can't help it. I'm basic. I'm Cersei Lannister. But let's be honest, once you hit the age of 25 to 30, moderate responsible drinking can leave you feeling less than 100% the next day. It's a total drag to just go out and not even feel like you're raging or partying or anything like that. You just want to hang out and relax or meet up a friend for a drink and you end up waking up the next day feeling sluggish and not your best self. Well, Cheers is the product for responsible drinking and drinkers. Cheers exists to bring people together by promoting fun, responsible, and health-conscious alcohol consumption. Cheers was kind enough to send us uh, a starter kit of the Cheers after-alcohol aid and oral rehydration solution, uh, both of which you can take after, uh, basically after you take your first drink. So I tried it. I was a little skeptical. You know, there's there's lots of after-drinking cures out there on the market, but Cheers is really focused about, you know, protecting the health of your liver, keeping you hydrated, you know, all things that make sense for me as far as, you know, how to recover after a night of drinking. And I was so pleasantly surprised with how great I felt the next day. Cheers can help you feel up to 50% better than you normally would after drinking. And I definitely experienced that the next day. You know, I might not have had the most productive day. I might have been a little bit under the weather. But with Cheers, I was able to get my day back. And that was great. It's invaluable. To use Cheers, simply take two to four capsules after your last alcohol beverage or before you go to bed. If you don't wake up feeling at least 50% better the next day, you'll get your money back guaranteed. So night call listeners to order Cheers, visit CheersHealth.com. Enter the promo code NIGHTCALL, that's all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your first order and a free gift. That's CheersHealth.com. Promo code NIGHTCALL, N-I-G-H-T-C-A-L-L, for 10% off and a free gift with your first order. I am being 100% honest when I say that Cheers has basically a customer for life in me. It's, it's a really great help, and I don't drink without Cheers, so neither should you. With Cheers, you're going to start feeling better when you wake up, and your liver is going to thank you. 12, 9, 20, 5. 14, 5, 18, 19. But Molly, <laughs> you've only watched the first five episodes. You, you, I feel it's, it's hard it's to more even. of a general, I just don't care for sword and sandal that much. But it's not yeah, all no, that. No, there are only sandals once you get to Dorn. And... It's true. <laughs> Actually, I she guess doesn't even sister. know what Dorn is. I, I, know. I have lodged the complaint many times that I don't understand why it takes place in like a British colonialist universe. It doesn't, though. It takes place in the whole world. Like, there's Asia It takes place in, in many stuff. different so, yeah. universes. Um, I'm so aware of the mansplaining voice, but... Um, it's based on the historical War of the Roses. Yes. Well, why not just make something about the historical <laughs> War of the Roses? Because they didn't have side? dragons, Molly. But like, <laughs> but, but everybody's all, right. But everybody's always like, "Well, it's historic. That's why everybody's white." And it's like, yeah, but there's dragons. But not everybody's white. No, they're not everybody is white. A lot of them and are white, actually, and they're not all everybody. British. Why are they British? They're not all British. They speak in many different languages. It's and the interesting think... thing is that it really, like, now that you have people from one part of the world that have landed in this other part of the world that's basically, like, northern England or Scotland, and they're, like, from the equivalent of, you know, 
uh, the Middle East. Like there's a tension, like there's a there's a differentness, like it definitely well, addresses that. What if that. you made a show about like real world history instead of like, like real world well, Yeah, Westeros. they haven't ever made a show about real world history models. <laughs> Where people start being, stop being polite. And start yeah, getting yeah, real. what about just a show about like some people who live in a house in King's Landing? Yeah. I mean, I would watch coming. that also. That's coming, yeah. I would watch it <laughs> Well, well, one one thing about last night's episode that like so I I got I got completely like carpet bombed by I don't know if that's the correct term but I did like by <laughs> Daenerys fans because like this show has gotten to the place where people really identify with these characters like they are political figures and I made a joke about Daenerys Daenerys's comparative worthlessness last night and like really really like I woke the dragon as they say um, and I thought that was fascinating because like last time I was doing anything about the show like writing about it I don't feel like the level of discourse was at the this level and and sometime in the last couple years it's gotten it's gotten insane um, it has yeah yeah I also got attacked by Game of Thrones fans for suggesting that if they like really tedious complicated mythologies they should check out local politics so hey. as, a, as, a, as an impartial <laughs> observer worst. I'm watching Emily and Molly fight a battle on two fronts last night <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> but I can't help but feel that you Molly must have known what was about to happen. I was complimenting yeah. them. I was saying it's very impressive. You can keep track of these boring storylines and fake people. Imagine if you applied this uh, a breath of paying attention to. Molly, you're the person who always says you can. You're the person who always says you can pay attention to more than one thing. You are exactly. completely and going also, against. I totally and like I have also said like it's just Game of Thrones. Like I can pay attention to like a boring hard to explain plot line if it's like on Mad Men or some show that I like you know I'm like trying to explain it to somebody it totally sounds boring but I care or like Vanderpump Rules I'm like this person is more important you know cares about this person more than they care about them but I think Game of Thrones fans have it's just weird how people who like the things that are the most popular get so mad at you for like being like oh I don't like this thing that no, everybody likes well, yeah. they're like that's, that's fuck shitty. you how Whatever. dare you and the same thing is true with like Marvel hype yeah. Any, yeah. that's what's scary about it is I'm just like what are these movies doing so, for you really like so there's two arguments which is one the like let people like things thing which I think is stupid like I think anything can be criticized and like I don't I don't I don't really it, all I'm saying is like high life fans don't like attack right. me and say like you yeah. should die if you didn't see high yeah. life yet and I do want to see high life that's the movie I'm excited about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you think it's all like a byproduct of these things were so marginalized for so long no because like it's nerd culture into... has been dominant for like the 20 years it's not marginalized like superhero movies have been the dominant form like everything is for 12 year old boys only and it's like if you say like oh actually I'm not super that's not what I'm super into people are like how dare you not like I, I, I don't think know. it's less but about I... nerd culture not like being newly ascendant because it's not really newly anymore but I feel like, like it's like you are now able to curate the communities and the people the taste of the people that you surround yourself with to a T so when you're like when you do have an opposing viewpoint Cross your your awareness. It feels We're like not even opposing water. Like right, um, like some of it's like feels gamergatey, where it's like 
like the worst I ever got attacked was for being like, wouldn't it be nice if GTA had a female character once? And everybody was like, fuck you, Wait, bitch. really? <laughs> yes. They were like, I hope you get raped and die. And I was like, I didn't even, I like the games. That's the whole thing I'm saying is yeah. that I like the games that I would just once like one of the prostitutes that you like have an interaction with to be the main character that right. you play because it would be fun and like do something well, new with the games. Here, I will always, I, I will say this about Game of Thrones and this is like, and, and maybe maybe if Tess or, or Dan, you have differing experiences, like please, please chime in. But the reason that I like Game of Thrones and I think kind of also the reason why people have this very um, strong reaction to this is that like, it, I I personally I'm a masochist, so when I start watching something like the first episode of Game of Thrones, which makes zero sense to me, and I don't know who anybody is or what they're talking about, my instinct, if it's at all interesting to me, is to like put myself through it and figure it out and learn who all the dumb little characters are and like look at a map and shit. Like that's my nerdy like my nerdy yeah, self I don't like coming to look through. at a map. No, yeah. I I totally agree. Once with you that. get through it though, then it's like oh I've I've gone through all of this. I've done all the things and now but it's again, like again it's like if it's the wire if it's something i'm interested in sure. or i'm like i do yeah. want to find out what happens in this world i just like fundamentally do not want to spend time in a medieval world because it just seems horrible to me well i think i think there's two things i do agree that nerd culture has been ascendant for a long time but i also think that what is remarkable about game of thrones at least when it was first written was that it was such a subversion of what the expectation was that mm-hmm. now people feel like they're a part of but something. But don't you think yeah. the show is yeah. not as much of a subversion as the books are? I, I think that the first season was pretty shocking to people who yeah. weren't familiar but, with it. And so they once just you throw a lot of rape in it that wasn't in the book, they they were liberal with their rape. There's too allotment. much rape in the yes. show. That was what really put me off on the first season. I was like, I hate this because they always are like, it's medieval times. Everybody's getting raped all the time. And so, again, I'm like, there are dragons. You can do whatever you want in this made up world. This is what you're choosing. That, to show. They definitely leaned into that, and that was, I think, maybe not the. I mean, it, it was pretty. It just put me off the show. And again, yeah. it's like I thought I just hated medieval stuff, and then I saw Paul Verhoeven's Flesh and Blood, and I was like, no, it's just Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think there's like a deeper that, level. That's of like, cool. The Paul Verhoeven version is more chill with you than. <laughs> I mean, the thing, Game of it, Thrones no. is one big what Paul Verhoeven. I, what I epic. like about <laughs> what I like about Flesh and Blood is it really leans into how horrible medieval times were yeah. and it's like it doesn't romanticize it in any way I it's would just like, argue the Game of Thrones does sucks. the same thing it's just like it's a different style but I think, I think they do people want to live thing. in Game of Thrones I, I don't want to people... live in Game of Thrones holy no, shit no. I, I don't think anyone <laughs> I, I, I think that people like with the GTA with Game of Thrones I think that any time that you get turned on to something that is seemingly like underground even though in this case it is the least underground thing ever anymore I think that initial that like vitriolic response is like, how dare you attack the thing that like I am cool enough to like fuck you. And I think that that is in anything, Gamergate, Comicsgate, whatever. Like, so I I do understand like the fandom of this is, is oftentimes really hard to even deal with. Again, I just feel like it's Game of Thrones. I don't think it's, maybe it's just because it's it's such a hugely popular show. It's Marvel too. It's like anything that's popular. Right, but it's these things that are so popular. Again, it's like people who like Succession don't like tweet mean shit at you if you're like, I I don't really watch Succession. Most of my like involvement with the show though has not been like talking to people online about it. Like it's been Mm -hmm. watching the show and like looking at (laughs) Wiki of Ice and Fire. Like I don't like, I'm not on the boards for this one, you know? Like I find my own enjoyment of it I've decided to like enjoy the show in my own way so like it doesn't really matter right. to me how fans are talking to about, about well, let's, it to wrap up this segment 
Let's talk about who everyone's voting for. I mean, rooting for. Maybe that was <laughs> voting for. Voting for. Who's everybody? It's not a ro- democracy. Who's everybody rooting for in the Game of Thrones to win? Well, I I defer to Emily and Dan. I mean, I don't really. I'm not rooting for anybody. Like, yeah, it's not. Come I on, feel like it's not on. really it's that a competition. Kind of thing. I'm rooting for Cersei. I mean, <laughs> thank you. There oh. we go. Unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. Okay, so you guys are on the same side. We are. I just feel like Daenerys. Daenerys did fine in the battle last night. That's all I'm saying is that I I can't dock Daenerys for have for ordering her dragon baby to scorch everybody. Cheap her. wigs they all wear on the show. Oh Molly. my god. Okay, we're moving Dan, on because Rachel's no, back we, in the gotta, booth. No more spoilers. Okay, wait, I gotta know who Dan is voting for. Uh, I will do this. No spoilers. But I my vote for the Iron Throne is Sansa. I think that she is. I want Sansa for Warden of the North. There's like a VP. It's it's so complicated. It's so, it's How like, can you begin? Like, to yeah, explain? it's hard to ex- yeah. it's hard to even talk dialogue with you because this yeah. is again what I'm saying. Like, imagine if people, if you could just is Sansa the ginger? Is she one of the? Yeah, ginger? she's the ginger. You should like her. She's great. She's fantastic. I love if her. Ma- she's very dry. She's if Mad Men had maps, would you examine the Mad Men maps? Like, oh, no, Don Draper's good. apartment is. No, I'm not good with <laughs> maps generally. Maps are a weak point. I, I think love you kind of just have to be inclined. Like, actually, George R. R. Martin wrote the first chapter of the book and sat down and was like, I need to make a map. No, I yeah, know. Hold up. <laughs> I need a map. Don't, like, risk. Yeah. Give me a good map. I'll, oh, I, I'm, a, I'll, I'm a map uh, fan, too. I'm very excited what to talk about. What is place, anyway? The, okay. The, 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 the film event of the summer is there a map of of Rhyme City? Is there a geography? Is Are it in the districts? Alola region? Uh, it's in <laughs> That's its. My it's in its own region that okay. is not. Uh, you know, it's Rhyme City. It's yeah. kind of a, its own unique place. Um, there is not a formal map, although I did draw myself a map when we were in the process of writing, just to kind of keep some of the uh, the very. Game of Thrones complexity straight <laughs> <laughs> as we were writing, um, but yes. So the Pokeverse is not Pokeverse is not unlike I was say. Game of Thrones in a way. I mean, there are so many like compelling characters from different regions. Like it's you know, yeah. The some of them are dragon like, right? Because there's like the plant creatures and the water creatures. There's so many the... types. Yeah. Robot, it's psychic types, of course. See, this is like a Game of Thrones I would care about. If everybody on Game of Thrones was a well, cutie animal. Well, this yeah. is well, like... then you're going to love this movie. <laughs> 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 I got news. Well, like, Pokemon is for people who are interested in, um, what's it called? Like, taxonomies. Less than, like, yes. geography and, yes. and, you know, politics more, and stuff like that. More taxonomy um, than geography. It's, if you really like <laughs> biospheres, you will love Pokemon. It's true, yeah. <laughs> we are If all... you love the Krebs cycle, you will love this <laughs> We are generation biosphere. We are. For sure. Wait, so tell um, us about how, like, how you came to be involved with, again, the film event of the summer. At least if Tess's children are to be believed and they are, like, my number one Hollywood pundits at this point. I forgot my Detective Pikachu card at home. Uh, my husband was like, please get Dan to sign this and have him just pretend that he is Pikachu. I was like, <laughs> I could just sign it and be like, this is Pikachu. He's like, no, he won't believe that at all. Pikachu. But I, yeah, how did this happen? How did this come together? Basically, my partner Benji Samet and I had done a movie for the people that now run Legendary. And when they were in the process of 
you know, getting the rights to this movie, and you know, they really were very eager to 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 get it rolling out. They were like, "Who are the biggest nerds that we know?" <laughs> Put out the call for them. We need them, um, and we kind of were in the right place at the right time. And you know, as it happens, my Pokemon knowledge was, you know, fairly robust. Uh, did you have to brush compared- up on your Pokemon? Like- I, I did. I definitely had to brush up. And I mean, at, you know, the thing is, like, when we were young, I think we're all around the same age, you know, there were 150, you know, and then every time that there's a new generation of Pokemon, there's another 100 or so that get added. And so by the time that I'm sitting down to write this movie, there are over 800 and now there's close to 1,000. Yeah. And so there was a point in the process of writing this movie where I, I have what's called a Pokedex. It's like the wiki of ice and fire, except mm-hmm. in book form. I have a Pokemon encyclopedia in one hand and the keyboard in the other hand. I'm going, gosh, if only there were some kind of bioluminescent mushroom. I don't know. Flip the page. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's perfect. If only there were some kind of Pokemon that were like a key. Why would we need a key? That that one isn't ultimately in the movie. But, you know, there were just wow. anything that you can imagine, there is a type and, like, they've thought about it and it exists and it has two evolutions. And so it became a process of curation. There are so many of these things. How do you sort of get to which ones are going to be in the movie or which ones can even sustain a movie? I saw Charizard made the cut. Char! Char! <laughs> <laughs> Charizard had to make the cut because yeah. uh, that's one of the original like OG. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. People I like was... Charizard. Wait, did Jigglypuff do it? Jigglypuff. <laughs> <laughs> he looks really mean in the trailer. <laughs> like... Jiggly has definitely got an attitude in the trailer. <laughs> I, I I don't know if I necessarily envisioned that exact thing when we were writing, but I like it. I actually love it. You Jigglypuff know, he... is a good Super Smash Brothers character to play. Well, interestingly, Smash Brothers was like a real entry point for me because I was a little bit older Mm -hmm. than I think the height of the Pokemon craze where if I had been two or three years younger, I probably would have really been, you know, deep in it from day one. But because of video games and because of like, funnily enough, internet culture, you kind of had to brush up and get to know these different characters. Like Psyduck is my personal favorite. Mm -hmm. Really? Oh, by far. Why? By far. Because Psyduck is, the premise of Psyduck, for those of you who know, he's a little duck that has psychic abilities. And if he gets too stressed out, he has a psychic explosion and could kill everyone. I mean, So same. they constantly have to keep Psyduck calm. It would be nice to be Psyduck. Psyduck calming music. They have to, you know, but for a long time uh, on this forum I used to go on all the time, something awful. Uh, one of the little emojis that they would use was just Psyduck grabbing his head for that sort of became synonymous with like, this is, what the hell, what the fuck (laughs) is this? And so I always thought it was just so funny. And so one of the first things that when we came on board, we said Psyduck is clearly the comedic breakout of these, of all of these Pokemon. Why? Because he was neurotic to begin with, you know? And so as a comedy writer, I was like, well, we want all the Pokemon that, like have comedic quirks and stuff. Let's put those guys in the movie right away so that we can actually, you know, kind of build story around them and stuff. So that was my thought process as I approached it. Do you have any of the like super powerful, like Arceus and Eveltal and all those 
those people, I'm those not, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm not at liberty. Okay, you can't say. I'm not Spoiler at liberty alert. to reveal the power level of the Pokemon. Do you guys know about Arceus? No. Emily and Molly? No. Arceus is like Pokemon, but it's like God, and it has a thousand arms, and it created the world, and it can destroy it. What? And Eveltal. Eveltal is like, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but it's like kind of like the evil Arceus who comes and he's like the destroyer. He's like a super powerful like, I evil had Pokemon. no idea that this oh, level yeah. of like intensity existed within the Poke world. Like granted, I have tur- yeah. the most oh, there is a there is a cosmology. There is a super cosmology. Turned into Evangelion while we were paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love that. And then there's like Lunala and um Tesco's deep. Yeah. You should write the next one. You seem to know. <laughs> you know what? Not a bad idea. Well, we were, I was lobbying heartily for this conversation to include Dick Tracy and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes, yes. Because those are two of the movies I remember being very excited about as a kid. And I was trying to remember, like, why were we all very excited about Dick Tracy? What a weird thing to be excited about. It's it was not that you read the comics or anything. I did yeah. read the comics. Oh, you I did. was a weird okay. 1950s culture consuming kid. I read them kid. too. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, Dick Tracy is one of my, like, I wouldn't say hobbies, but like, I, oh. I go deep. Well, I learned Tracy. that Batman was based on Dick Tracy, yeah. that it was like inspired by Dick Tracy, which made so much sense to me because I'm always saying Batman's a cop. And it was like, oh, he literally is based on yeah. Dick Tracy. He like is a cop. I mean, if you look at the rogues gallery of Dick Tracy, yeah. which is as as good as it gets, you, no, know, totally. you can sort of see where... And each of them have sort of like a very like simple like shoulders has large shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> the brow's got a big brow. Prune face, his face is wrinkly, you know, like um, but it's but it's like very it, they're, but they're very grotesque in a way. They're super grotesque you know? and in the movie it's so grotesque. I just bought they just did a Dick Tracy reboot comic uh, that I just bought a copy of, of Gold, at Golden Apple. So I was like, ooh, Dick Tracy, it's in the air. But also it was the first uh, Disney comic book movie. I go pretty deep on these things. And I, I, I have a, a, an archive of toys and stuff. So I actually was going to bring you each a mint in box uh, <laughs> Steve the Tramp <laughs> figure. But I couldn't, I couldn't find them. But I did bring this little. Uh, st- so do you remember awesome. this controversy at the time? I have the rest of these guys in my car. That is amazing. But yeah, Dan just brought out a Dick Tracy figure. <laughs> That's awesome, Dan. So Molly, this will actually appeal to your interest, which is at the time there was a big stink because there's this character that is from the comic, Steve the Tramp. And he's, you know, he's like a homeless bad guy. But they made this figure, Steve the Tramp, you know, homeless rights activists. And and people were like, this is such a negative portrayal. This is so unacceptable. So this figure at the time in the like the consumerist, you know, like early 90s became very valuable. And, it, and that's why my I bought like five of them in box. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to I have for each of you a mint in box, Steve. The oh, oh thank gosh. you so much. That's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, but it's it's lost. My mom moved from Florida. And so she basically shipped me like every I'm, I'm like a collector. So I have the stuff in a literally in a tent outside of my house. And I, so I will find you these mint and box Steve the Tramps. That uh, is amazing. They're not Thank worth that me. much anymore. I should have sold high. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that Dick Tracy mania is coming back. Yeah. But yeah, also Roger Rabbit seems like a very obvious uh, inspiration for Detective Pikachu. I mean, that that was the one that I think Banji and I were thinking about the most. And I think that, and by the way, there were other writers who worked on the movie. Nicole Perlman, Derek Connolly, Rob Letterman, who also directed the movies. But I do think that all of us 
when we decided to really actually try to tell a detective story, we're very aware of Roger Rabbit. And yeah. specifically the things that I like about Roger Rabbit are the internal logic of how the tunes function and that at no point do they – once they establish a rule, they are pretty faithful to that thing. You mm-hmm. know, whether it's if the weasels laugh too much, they die or <laughs> the dip or whatever it is. Like there's an internal logic that is sacrosanct and the way that the tunes think about things, the yeah. way that the tune logic functions is really interesting. And so when we're trying to write – a scene between, you know, the main character of, of Pikachu and like a Bulbasaur, you're sitting there going like, what does Bulbasaur want? <laughs> right? <laughs> What's his motivation? <laughs> what is Bulbasaur's motivation? And by the way, the Pokemon company had a lot of opinions about this. It wasn't just like do whatever you want. It was like, no, no, Bulbasaur's behave in a certain way. How did they behave? You know, there were certain ones where they would say, well, these guys maybe don't team up. Right. You know, like, or these guys are not as strategically minded or these guys, you know. So like the, Tapu Lele would never. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, it really, it, it really, it sounds, uh, so it's, it was kind of a weird experiment in sitting down and going, okay, what's the emotional reality of Jigglypuff? <laughs> I love yeah. that, though. Well, that's, that's why that's Who so Framed fun. Roger Rabbit is so, yeah, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you are so invested emotionally in those characters. And that's another thing, too, where you're like, you're using some things there's original characters, but also when they do go to Toontown, it's like, who do you decide to show that will flesh out that universe? And I think that movie, by the way, still stands up. Like, Oh, super stands by up. A lot. And the fact that Eddie Valiant, he takes the tunes very seriously, even though he doesn't like them. Mm-hmm. He just, it is a part of life that is just true to this city and this this version of San Francisco, I think it is, like that. I always thought it was Los Angeles. Or maybe it is Los Angeles. I can't remember. But I remember it's the it's the, it's the the trolley line yeah. that, you know, is the whole crux the of the LA thing. It's the LA red car thing. There is a real reality to like, okay, this is a city where if you go to the coffee shop, there could be a tune there. And that's, that's just, no one is really that put out by it mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. It's also about gentrifying tunes out of Toontown to put the freeway through it. It is very, like, L.A. history centric. It's like, there's this great neighborhood that... <laughs> <laughs> but it's, right, the, the, the historic, you know, tune restaurants. Yeah, and, you know, we're that like, we're going to tear it down to put the freeway through it for progress. Also, like, the idea of, like, a self-loathing tune. Yeah, is as the villain is ingenious and and terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah, it's a very scary. Did you movie. show Tess? Did you show your kids Who Framed Roger Rabbit? No, yet? they would be so oh, scared. Yeah. I like was kind of scared movie. of Who Framed. Oh, I was yeah. super scared, yeah. but that's what makes it good. <laughs> yeah, I would be terrified. I they just saw Beetlejuice, which that's I that's way scary. No, I was never that afraid of Beetlejuice, and they no. they were they loved it, but they were also like petrified and scarred <laughs> by it. I th- I think it's because Beetlejuice is. He's never really the bad guy yeah, of that movie, crazy. whereas I've... Judge Doom is dips exactly. the little shoe and was the most traumatic thing that's yeah. ever happened. I found yeah. Beetlejuice as scary as Judge Doom. I actually think Beetlejuice is a really utopian portrait of the afterlife, which we'll get yeah. to later. But I was like, they look great. 
They can sleep in the air. They can just levitate. What about like, the bird faces? Push their faces they can, around. It doesn't and... hurt them. They can push their faces around. How great would that be? <laughs> yeah, I think of a million opportunities a day when I could use. It's that. very reassuring <laughs> that there is a there is a handbook of the dead. That's what it is. It's like okay, there's well, a bureaucracy of the dead. There's we, a, yeah. a serious exactly. bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we've learned is we all like fantasy bureaucracy. It's true. <laughs> I love. Maybe. I love. I love a good form. I love a good I love, I love a good map. Uh, that's where Molly and I differ, I guess. Yeah. But I always just like want a mundane story. Like I always say this, but like Jurassic Park on a day nothing goes wrong. Yeah, <laughs> slice of life. And yet you well, won't watch Terrace House, which is basically yeah. the oh, you'll love to be Terrace the House. Good lagoon me? ride. Yeah. Hey, folks. If you love true stories about extraordinary life experiences, we think you'll love the Risk podcast. Risk is the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. Stories too uncensored for public radio. On Risk, nothing's too intimate or too strange. Like the one about the guy who got kidnapped by the drug cartel, or the girl who discovered she was living with a cannibal, or the woman who learned the person she was sharing kinky fantasies with online was her dear old dad. You'll hear real people sharing about life experiences so funny, so scary, so mystifying, you won't believe your ears. Find it all at riskshow.com or just search on your podcast app for risk. That's R-I-S-K exclamation point or risk hyphen show.com. So we have a night email this week coming to us from Eric. Eric writes, Miss Lambert, Miss Lynch, Miss Yoshida, if you guided the dead to the afterlife, what would your aesthetic be? Do you go with a classic like the Grim Reaper or the Death Coach or something fresh? Do you tailor it to each soul? That's uh, that's from Eric. Again, thank you, Eric. This is a really good question, and we, you know, we, we started to get into it. I mean, the, the, the Tim Burton Beetlejuice afterlife aesthetic is definitely, like, a very timeless afterlife aesthetic, at least in, in the history of cinema. Like, that's... Uh, I think it's extremely realistic as well. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it would be boring. It would be a slog. Yeah. You have to take a number, you know. Um, and and it, I don't know that you have to go somewhere else. You can stay where you are sure. for a long time, haunting or not. I think it sounds it sounds right to me, but it's not necessarily what I would want from the afterlife. I mean, if this is like what what exactly would be ideal, I might come up with something different. I think my ideal aesthetic would be and this is going to sound horrible when I say it out loud, but just like bear with me. It would be something between an airport and a nursing home. Uh, but, <laughs> but wait, at, you don't have to be old. No, so no, why no, 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 it's a, no. It's just a, an extended. I'm just care saying, like facility. a kind of like a kind of wide space with like tiled floors and Venetian blinds, and it's always magic hour coming through the windows. Mm-hmm. And there are Las like Vegas? potted plants I think you're just, and stuff. I think you're describing no, Las ca- Vegas. It's the Venetian. no it's like more like i don't know if you ever follow or like listen to these like vaporwave mixes on youtube like and they always choose this sort of like 90s anime looped animation of like the inside of a mall with like a shimmering fountain and like this chill ass jazz playing like oh i know exactly what you mean that's basically that's basically what i'm going for but i think it would be like a long corridor with like an endless moving walkway and like the sun is always streaming through one side like that would be my the my design. is it empty or yeah, is it just it's you em- it's mostly oh. empty i mean it's like quiet it's like peaceful 
There's like a fountain. What about you, Dan? What do you think? I've, I, it's a great question, and I've arrived at it's Denny's. <laughs> okay, just that Denny's. totally works. What for did me you too. get? What are you ordering? It's you. You. It's a moons over my hammy forever. <laughs> uh, and I guess if I were the Grim Reaper s character, I would sort of be the sort of like gregarious avuncular waiter, <laughs> nice. as people kind of figured out where they were. Uh, yeah. I think you just sold a sitcom. I know. <laughs> yeah, CBS here. Heaven. Death, heaven. Death friended me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think I think that's right because I find diners to be sort of a weird liminal space yeah, we to love begin diners. with, yes. and of course I know I that to you guys very much, yeah. you guys aesthetic. So I, I I think I think Denny's. Yeah, I agree because heaven is twenty four hours. Molly, what would yours be? Uh, some sort of green space. That's unexpectedly vague. Yeah. I don't know. I just came back from Oregon. It's like all I can think about is like that there are oh, places that have water. You naturally. know, it's such a good aesthetic mm. for the afterlife. In fact, I like started to design a D and D campaign around this once. Is uh, <laughs> yes, go on. <laughs> it's in, in in Portland in downtown Portland, there are all these parks that are kind of these constructed cement waterfalls that you can kind of. They don't. I think sometimes some of them have water going through them, and some of them don't. So they're just these like series of steps. But because it's Oregon and like tends to be kind of damp and mossy like a lot of times it's just these like sort of it feels like the ruins of an American city like it's just moss covered like yeah, cement structures oh I love ev- it it makes me feel no, so good no everything and okay here is another medieval fantasy thing I like I love Legend of Zelda Oh, Zelda's yeah. great. And that, Interesting. like, that, Especially the most recent Zelda was really oh, good. I just love it was Zelda's. mostly just, like, Something making like food. Something like that, like a foresty... Can I tell you mine, now that we've been talking about it? Yeah, of course. Okay, Damn. have you guys ever been to one of the restaurants that's, like, underground with the aquarium walls? No. Where's oh, that? Yeah. I feel like I went to one maybe at, like, Epcot. That feels very... I might be I, I've, that. I've yeah. been in a restaurant like that. For that sure. is that definitely like the Florida. afterlife. It was totally Florida. You think the afterlife? Florida is the afterlife, as we all know. It's a, it's a glass-bottom submarine it, Well, I think it's oh, yeah. a. I think it's one of... It has a weird menu. Like, I'm, I'm going off the Denny's because I'm like, what if there were no food? There has to be food. But I'm like, it's all, like, baked Alaska and crab yeah. claws and stuff. And then you're just watching, like, all these fish go by. That sounds great. Well, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, actually, the revolving yeah. re- any revolving restaurant on any tower where the food is like oh, bad, yeah. but you go like just the Rainbow because... Room in New York, and not that the food is bad. Yeah, I've never been to, I've yeah. never been to the Rainbow restaurant. Room, but I've been to whatever it's called, like LA Prime on top of the um, yeah, the, the Bonaventure. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's such a. I mean it's it's incredible. Like you don't care that you're paying twenty dollars for a shitty steak sandwich. It's just like the best vibe in the world. It basically feels <laughs> unchanged from you know the mid nineties. I love it. My wife went to Duke's in Malibu and a pot of dolphins swam by on the yes. sort of the, like giant window. So that sounds pretty good to me. I like yours the best, I think. So the afterlife is Malibu. Yeah. Malibu. <laughs> Fine with that. We'll finally get to live there in the afterlife. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Before we go out, do we want to chat about uh, our, our cryptid fascination? Yeah. Oh, week? yeah. We brought Dan on because, in part, because I was tweeting about the song Wooly Bully. By Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Mm-hmm. And Dan, it turns out, is also the world's foremost expert on Wooly Bully. Dan, take it away. Well, I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm the world's <laughs> foremost expert, but I will say this. Uh, a little background. My father was going to lead a cryptozoological expedition into the Everglades to find the skunk ape. Oh. A very, very important cryptid. <laughs> when was this? When did your dad This was in, just before I was born, a hurricane. They had rented the airboats. You know, they were ready to go. They have the correspondence between the American Cryptozoological Society and my father. Hurricane, I believe it was Hurricane Hugo 
blew off the expedition and it was never mounted. So that's so that's a little background on me. Uh, and so when I hear <laughs> Wooly Bully, I recognize that as a cryptid right away. Got two it, it, horns and a woolly jaw. What are we talking about here? We're talking about the first Squatch song that's ever been been recorded. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. They were squatching. You th- I thought it was the devil. No. I mean, maybe. Maybe. We don't know that. The devil that. could be a cryptid, too. I, I don't know if the devil falls. It, look. If you saw a Baphomet, it would be kind of similar to maybe like a skunk ape. But I don't think that you would casually have Maddie tell Hattie about a thing <laughs> she saw. Yeah. Which is... Wait, so let's know. list all the things that we know about it, though, just like to be sure. Um, two horns. Two big horns. A woolly jaw. A woolly jaw. jaw. That's it. That's all we know. That's all we know. And that it's a woolly bully. It, I, I, that it, is it has wool. Or it's wool-ish. <laughs> like there's some wool-like substance that it has as its coat. Yes, and that its behavior was demonstrably bullyish. You know that there was some threat to the to the to the creature itself. Now I have gone even deeper on this because in the next verse, Hattie tells Maddie, (laughs) "Forget it." Essentially says, "Forget it. Don't be L seven. Let's dance." That sounds like a classic Dana Scully. Oh, you didn't see what you thought you saw, Mulder. I think that there's there's a lot going on underneath the woolly bully. I learned what a lot. They want you to do just dance. Yes, they exactly. You to, you don't, they don't want you to know about the woolly bully. Sam the Sham had a cat named Woolly Bully. Oh yeah, it's also served as the inspiration for the song, according to Wikipedia. I mean, yes. Just, just throwing oh, it out there. Oh, just sure. To, there are sure. cat truthers who think it's about a cat. No, it's according to Sam the. Because I also heard people say it was about a woolly mammoth that somebody like sees a woolly mammoth. I think a woolly mammoth is actually, yeah. in some ways, a more compelling theory than even the squatch because of the horns. Right. Well, I heard also, but it doesn't have a, wool, a woolly. What I heard from Maddie, so it's woolly all over. Is yeah. that also there? Is maybe. It was like when the woolly mammoth was discovered or something. There was like maybe a big find in the press. And so it was like a novelty song about a woolly mammoth being found. Really? That is huh. what I heard in my research. I haven't heard that one, but that's awesome if true. because That it was to cash in on the like woolly mammoth. Oh, the woolly mini. craze. Yeah. <laughs> is this all the same kind of general? Is this a contemporary with the flying purple people eater? Like was there a crypto yes, yes, actually it, okay. it actually is yeah. contemporary with totally, this. Totally, that's also a But I had a thought, I had a thought, which I'll pose to you guys, which is there aren't that many songs about cryptids or that even reference cryptids. The squonk though. In in Celia Dan, yeah, yes, yes. Oh. So the squonk being the most famous cryptid, I think in in popular. Have you music. ever seen a squonk's tears? Well, look at mine. Well, look at mine. That's right. We need to make a song about a cryptid. I think is what you're saying. We should also, commission a song about a cryptid. Have you guys read the fearsome creatures of the great? What is it of the great lumberwoods or the north lumber? There's a book that the squonk comes from, and they have like the hodag. They have all of the different cryptids from like this particular region. That's where Steely Dan got the squonk. But I have a. You can get a copy, but it's like you can only get like the most bootleg copy of this book. We like cryptids because they're so regional too. They are. Regional. Can I pose another thing, which is. You know that song, the one about little talks. It's like, like, don't listen when you blow. Whatever. It's like, 
Uh, I was really counting you guys knowing this song. No, I don't. It's it's like oh monsters. Oh yeah, yeah. Monsters and men. Monsters and men. Thank you, producer Rachel. Nice. Monsters and men. So that song I thought was very metaphorical. It seemed like she was talking to like a metaphorical ghost of a past relationship. No, it is literally about a ghost. I found that to be less interesting suddenly. Whereas the Wooly Bully, I think, is literally about a Wooly Bully. And I find it more interesting. I, I agree. It's way more interesting if it's a real wooly bully. Also, like a garage rock song that you don't really know what it's about is like the perfect garage rock song. Yeah. yeah. I read that book once about Louie Louie and how there was like an obscenity trial because nobody knew what the lyrics were for sure. <laughs> but it's also because apparently on the recording of Louie Louie, you can hear the drummer yell fuck when he drops his drumsticks. And guess what? We just earned ourselves an explicit rating. Yeah. We've been so nice. much. Congratulations, <laughs> Too everyone. hot for TV over here. <laughs> too hot, too hot to pop. Well, going deep on a song that's 60 years old yeah. or yeah. something. <laughs> apparently, it it's, it's the drumstick drops at the 54 second oh, mark Louie on Louie Louie. Well, we are blowing the lid off yeah. the woolly bully. I also didn't know I like it made sense when I thought about it but I was like oh they're like a Tejano like bar blues band this is cold case wooly bully it is (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for being on this week Dan Uh, I appreciate your insight on everything from (laughs) cryptid pop songs and Game of Thrones well thank you for having me I am a huge fan and uh, this has been a real career highlight so thank you very much ladies we will See you to mount a D and D campaign. Yeah, um, yeah. Day now, Emily already apparently has one written. So <laughs> I, know. I, know. I can alter it slightly to be a Detective Pikachu tie-in, and then we'll <laughs> I'm in. I'm ready. Awesome. Well, everybody, go see. Uh, not that you need our reminder, but uh, go see Detective Pikachu. What it is at when? May 10th. May 10th. Oh my God. May 3rd so in Japan. May 3rd in Japan. If you're I'm in go- Japan, it's May 3rd. I'm going to the premiere uh, Thursday. Cool. Oh, nice. So we'll see. We'll see. Say cool. hi to Jigglypuff for us. Yes. <laughs> I'm hoping there will be some pokey representation on the red carpet, <laughs> there but better we'll see. Be. Um, if you have any thoughts on cryptids or anything else night-related, please give us a call at 240-46-NIGHT. You can also email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. Please follow us on social media, NightCallPod on Twitter, NightCallPodcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're liking the show, please like, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week. One of us has to say bye. Bye. There we go. There we go. Bye. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.